0: Now, for the last few weeks, we've been talking about ruts, and ruts are routines that are detrimental to us spiritually, emotionally, morally, relationally, or sometimes even physically. And we've been looking at how we get into ruts, why we stay in ruts, and how we can get out of ruts. And today, I wanna talk to you a little bit about what is one of the fastest-growing ruts facing society today that some of us face in our lives anxiety. Now anxiety in one of his extremes forms is when your heart begins to race, your mind goes a thousand miles a minute, your palms become sweaty, you can barely catch your breath and you have this overwhelming feeling that something might happen and you become paralyzed. But sometimes anxiety doesn't have any physical symptoms. Sometimes anxiety is simply a meteor shower of what ifs. What if I don't get that project in on time? What if it affects my performance evaluation? What if I don't get the bonus? What if I can't afford to get my kids jeans that are long enough to fit their legs? What if they get bullied at school? What if that bullying becomes too much and they get in a fight? What if that fight causes them to get expelled? What if that expulsion keeps them from getting into college? What if that keeps them from getting a good job? And then they can't find friends and they'll never find a spouse. Oh my gosh, what if my kids end up homeless and hungry and standing on the side of the road with a cardboard sign that says, My kids are are, I didn't, my mom didn't get that project in on time. Good, I'm not the only one. Anxiety is this free-floating sense of dread that something might happen at some point in the future. And maybe your meteor shower sounds a little bit more like, What if I didn't save enough for retirement? What if my aging parents need full-time care and have to move in with us? What if I don't get into the right college? What if I didn't pick the right degree plan? What if my cancer comes back? What if I don't have enough money to pay my medical bills? What if my name is on the list for the next round of layoffs at my company? Anybody out here felt anxious? How about you online or in the video cafe? Anybody of you ever succumb to the meteor shower of what ifs? Anxiety is a real problem with real consequences and real costs to society today. According to the National Institute of Mental Health, anxiety disorder is reaching epidemic proportions. In a given year, nearly 50 million Americans will feel the effects of a panic attack, phobias, or other anxiety disorders. Anxiety disorders in the U.S. are the number one mental health issue amongst women, and they're they're, they're the second only, and they're the second problem among men, second only to alcohol and drug abuse with men. Stress-related ailments will cost our nation nearly $300 billion, that's a billion with a B, this year in medical bills and lost productivity. The Journal of the American Medical Association cited a study that indicates an exponential increase in depression. Since the people of each generation in the 20th century were three times more likely to experience depression than those of the previous generation. So that means you, millennials, Gen Zs, teenagers, that means that you are three times more likely to experience depression than your parents were. Y'all, and our children aren't even immune. Psychologist Robert Lee points out that the average child today exhibits the same level of anxiety as the average psychiatric patient in the 1950s. Y'all, what is happening? Why is this growing epidemic affecting so many of us? In New York Times best-selling author Max Lucado's book, Anxious for Nothing, he notes that one big reason is change. Researchers speculate that change has happened more in the Western world in the last 30 years than change has happened in the last 300 prior to that. And it makes sense when we think about all that has changed with technologies, the existence of the internet, social media. There's also increased warnings about global warming, nuclear war, mass shootings, terrorist attacks. Changes and new threats are imported into our lives every few seconds thanks to smartphones, TVs, and computer screens. Y'all, my grandparents would hear about an earthquake that happened halfway across the globe three days later from headlines in the newspaper. And my parents would see the latest tragedy on the nightly news, but now, for us, it's only a matter of minutes before we have the latest tragedy imported into the palm of our hands with live video to go with it. We have barely processed one crisis, and we hear of another. And this collectively increases anxiety of society in general as a whole, and then we couple that with all of our own personal challenges. You see, we all have things going on in our lives. We all have friends and family and coworkers with things going on in their lives, and the two of these things put together, compound, and fuel our anxiety. So last month, uh, my kids went back to school, along with many of your kids, and many of you, and it's the first year that all three of our kids are in school. (laughs) Our oldest is a senior, our middle child is in first grade, and our youngest is starting kindergarten. So this is about the time that I'm going to put in a shameless plug for your prayers so my husband and I keep our sanity as we do interviews with college and learn our ABCs. (sighs) But Well, it was the end of the first week of the last week of school and my littles were at the breakfast table having breakfast and my daughter, my five-year-old daughter out of nowhere goes, "Um, hey, mommy, are bad guys real? And I did what every good parent in this situation would do and I completely avoided the question and I said, oh, baby, you don't need to worry about that. And she goes, no, mommy, I wanna know, are bad guys real? And I said, well, yes, baby girl, there are bad guys and there are bad girls in this world, but why do you ask me that? And she said that the day before that they practiced in school getting into the squishy closet... And she said the reason that it's called the squishy closet is because all of her friends in her class have to squish in really, really tightly and be very, very quiet in order for them to be safe just in case a bad guy came. And ever since then, I've heard her a couple of times mention bad guys and looking for places to hide just in case one comes. You see, she's processing through the what ifs and this creates anxiety, not just for her, but for me too. You see, on the first week of school, while my daughter should be worried about which one is her backpack, and I'm worried that she won't know where the bathrooms are, she's practicing for an active shooter. And although I hate that this is a part of our reality, I'm grateful to our schools and our administrators for prioritizing and preparing for the safety of our children, but I do have to admit that the meteor shower of what ifs in my head can very quickly get out of control. So what are we supposed to do? Is there a way to prevent anxiety or is there a way out of the rut of anxiety if we are already in one? Well, to answer this question, I want to go back before we go forward and remind us a little bit about what we have already learned within this series called Ruts. For the last few weeks, we've been learning about what Paul, one of the authors of the Bible, wrote uh, in a letter to the Roman believers. He said, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so you will prove what the will of God is, that which is good, and acceptable and perfect. We have learned that to get out of ruts, we have to renew our minds because what we think is what we do. And we begin to to renew our minds with focused attention by meditation on scripture, by meditation on the truth. And a couple of weeks ago, you guys got a bookmark looking thing that looks just like this with daily verses on it to meditate on, do you guys still have this? Are you still meditating on these every day? Yes. If you don't have it, I want you to know that you can find everything that we've handed out online at our City Church Bandera Road Facebook page just in case you missed it. So go there and get these resources. But in addition to meditation, last week we looked at what Jesus said about how to get out of ruts. He said, to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We learned that the key to getting out of ruts is to hold on to Jesus' teaching because when we hold on to Jesus' teaching, we will know the truth and the truth is what sets us what? Free. The truth will set you free. And last week, you got another card, that had truth on it about the different kinds of ruts that we can find ourselves in. And Brent challenged us to begin to memorize these truths so when we get stuck in the rut of our stinking thinking, we can take our thoughts captive and replace them with the truth because the truth is what sets us free. So to build on what we have already learned, I wanna drill down into what scripture has to say specifically about the rut of anxiety. This is Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul, the author of this letter too, is telling us to take our anxious thoughts captive and to turn them into prayers. He is saying, don't do this, but instead do this. Don't be anxious about anything, but instead in every situation by prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Now there are a couple of things going on here and I wanna unpack them just a little bit so we can all see this very clearly. Paul is explaining the what we should do instead of being anxious, but he is also explaining the how we should do it and the why it will work. So let's take a minute to look at the what that Paul is asking us to do. He is telling us to pray and petition and present our requests to God instead of feeling anxious. Prayer is general. Prayer is this avenue that we have to directly connect one-on-one with God. But Paul didn't stop there. He didn't just stop at instructing us to pray. He gave us more detailed instructions. He said also petition and present your request to God. Now, a petition is simply a formal request that appeals to authority. And we know what this is. We do this all the time. Like, we petition so our neighborhood will get speed bumps. We petition our government. We petition our schools so that we get more funding for the arts. Heck, we even petition so our favorite TV shows will come back on TV. We petition so we can see change happen. We petition so we can see the change that we want to happen, happen. So he says that we are to petition God instead of being anxious. Now the third what that he tells us to do is to present our requests to God. And requests are specific. And this is critical when it comes to anxiety. You see, most of our anxieties are threatening because they're so general and vague that they can very quickly become overwhelming. So when we take our anxious thoughts captive and pray specifically, we have the ability to take something this big and put it into specific phrases that boil it down to size. So let me show you what I mean and let me show you what the difference is between the two. So let's say that we're about to have our meeting with our boss and we're gonna tell her that we're not gonna make the deadline on that project. The project where our kids are gonna become homeless and hungry if we don't get it in on time, that project. So we're about to go into this meeting, right? So it's one thing to walk in and to prepare and to say, okay, God, please bless my meeting with my boss. I don't want my kids to be homeless and hungry. And it's another thing to pray and petition God specifically. And we should say something like, God, please bless my meeting with my boss, Sally, today at 10 o'clock. She has already put these really high expectations on this project and I'm gonna tell her I'm not gonna get it in on time and I'm really freaking out about it. God, would you please grant me some clarity and grant me some calm so that way I can answer all of the questions that she's going to ask me and I don't get overwhelmed in the meeting. Oh God, and will you help my tummy? God, I have been so sick about this for days that I haven't been able to eat and I'm worried that my stomach's gonna talk louder than my voice. God, would you please allow her to see that all of the work and all of the efforts that I have put into making this project be done with excellence. God, will you please help us have a conversation that benefits both her and me and our company and that ultimately brings you glory. Do you see the difference? We no longer have our kids becoming homeless and hungry but now we're focused on the meeting today at 10 o'clock and we boil this down to size. Now Paul doesn't just break down the what, he goes on to tell us how to do it. So do not be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God. He is saying that we, when we pray things like help me, lead me, guide me, teach me, bless me, show me, that we should also include thank you. You see, gratitude takes our anxiety-filled thoughts of what if and turns them to focus on already. Gratitude takes your anxiety about what you cannot control in the future and gets your mind focused on the reality of the blessings that God has already poured out on you. Gratitude turns your what ifs into thank God's. So instead of what if my aging parent has to move in with us, we turn our focus to thank you God that my parents are still with us and we have the means to be able to care for them. Instead of what if I didn't pick the right degree plan, we turn our focus to thank you, God, that I even live in a place where I have the ability to get an education. Yeah. Instead of what if I can't pay my medical bills, we turn our focus to say thank you, God, that I even have access to some of the best medical care that exists on this planet. (laughs) Gratitude turns your what ifs into thank God's, but Paul's not done yet, because he goes on to say finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. We are instructed to pray, but also to think about good things because this is what renews our minds. And y'all, this one is a lot easier said than done. You see, there are some people in this world that are all rainbows and butterflies and unicorn farts and glitter, and they're just really optimistic people, but that just ain't me. Like, thank you God for those kind of people. But that's not me, and I'm willing to bet that if we're really honest, that just isn't most of us. And I think that Paul knew that, and I think that's why he's writing about it. And he was right, because science even confirms this today. In the book by Christian clinical psychologist Dr. David Stoop, Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life, he states that we all have a natural bent towards the negative. We're We're hardwired to focus on it. He notes that our brains are like Velcro when it comes to a negative experience. Negative experiences just stick. Okay, so any of you guys have kids, had kids, or maybe this is what you're wearing right now, those shoes with Velcro on them, not judging, but like those shoes with Velcro, right? So you get these shoes with Velcro, and if you've ever done this with your kids, what happens is it's like great for the first week to week and a half because it's, you don't have to tie your shoes. But after that, it's like, it gets a little harder, and a little harder, and then at one point, you just rip the whole tab off. But the Velcro stayed stuck together, but that whole tab that it's on comes off. Anybody, anybody? Okay, so this is what happens. Dr. Stoop is saying this is exactly what happens to us and our brains with negative experiences. And Dr. Stoop is saying that when it comes to positive experiences, when it comes to good thoughts, that our brains are like Teflon. Okay, so do any of y'all bake? and know what Teflon is? Okay, good, because I don't. I don't bake, I'm not allowed in the kitchen, I I have started a fire or two, I will burn my house down. So, I don't bake, but I hear, I hear that Teflon is the stuff if you bake, that that's what you want, because nothing sticks to it. Everything just slides right off, and he is saying that that's what happens to our brains with positive experiences, and this is even true for the most optimistic people. It's how we're wired. And the reason that negative experiences stick to our brain like Velcro is because we learn a lot faster when we experience pain than when we experience pleasure. Painful experiences actually imprint more deeply in our brains than positive ones do. And our mind literally creates ruts and take the shape of what we put into it. So when we focus on the what ifs and ruminate on the worry and the fear and the negativity, we dig deeper and deeper ruts into our brains that we can't get out of, and this fuels our anxiety. So this is why if you know anybody, or if you're close to anybody that suffers with anxiety or panic attacks or anxiety attacks, you know that one of the biggest sources of their anxiety is their anxiety. They say, I'm anxious because I'm afraid that I'm going to have a panic attack, which makes me have anxiety, which makes me want to panic, which just fuels my anxiety. And then you're stuck in the cycle of anxiety and you can't get out of it. That's because we've got these really deep ruts in our brains, and we just can't get out of them. And this is why Paul is telling us that we must think about good things. You see, the negative stuck and, is stuck, and the positive just slides right off, and we aren't wired to think good things, so we must choose. We have to choose to think good thoughts, which means we have to consciously and consistently and intentionally and purposefully think good thoughts. You all with me? Good, so we got the what? The, the prayer, petition, and requests. We got the how with thanksgiving. But why will this help us with our anxiety? Why is Paul even telling us that we need to do this? You see, because when we stop the meteor shower of what ifs, and you take your anxious thoughts captive and pray with a renewed mind, scripture says, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Not peace from God, but the very peace of God, where we should be worried, but we aren't where we should be upset, but we are comforted. We should be panicked, but we are calm. We should be divided, but we are unified. We should be agitated, but we are patient. We should be fighting, but we are forgiving. Where we should hate, but instead we love. Where we should be filled with anxiety, but instead we are filled with peace. The peace of God that transcends all logic, rationale, and efforts to explain it. The very same peace that Jesus had as he hung on that old rugged cross. A super natural peace will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is why we should take our anxious thoughts captive and pray. We have the ability to exchange our anxiety for the very peace of God. And this is exactly what I am asking you to do. When you feel yourself becoming anxious and having anxious thoughts, take them captive and choose to pray about them instead of letting the meteor shower of what ifs takes over. Choose to think about good things and you will get out of this rut of anxiety. Now, I do wanna take a minute to address the elephant in the room Bad things happen in life. Bad things happen to good people, innocent people. There are things in this life that just happen that just outright stink. And I'm not standing up here and saying that you need to say thank you God for my flat tire or thank you God for my broken AC unit that's gonna cost $8,000 that I don't have to repair it. I'm not saying say thank you God for your disease or your illness or that bully at school. There are things in life that just happen that stink and they're not fair. And I'm also not standing up here and I'm not telling you that you shouldn't feel anxious, that you shouldn't feel scared, that you shouldn't feel worried because that will happen. You will feel that way and I want you to know that is okay. But what I am saying and what I believe that this scripture is saying is that we're not supposed to stay there We're not supposed to focus on the bad and allow this to overtake our hearts and our minds because we serve a great God who blesses us in many, many ways. And if we get stuck in the rut of our stinking thinking, we not only miss the blessings that he has already poured out on us, but we miss the opportunity to exchange our anxiety for the very peace of God. And y'all, I know this firsthand. You see, on April 5th of this past year, I found myself being whisked away to the emergency room after having heart palpitations and passing out twice, cold, no previous symptoms. I had absolutely no symptoms before any of this ever happened. And over the past five and a half months, I've been to multiple doctors and cardiologists, and I've gotten every heart test, stress test, pokes, prods, nodes, monitors, medications, you name it, I've done it. As a matter of fact, last time I was up here preaching on Mother's Day, I had all these monitors on me, and y'all thought my fanny pack was a fashion statement. It was holding all my monitors, and we were putting plans into place just in case I passed out on stage or I couldn't preach, and we were quite frankly hoping that one of you knew CPR. That was literally our plan. But in all seriousness, I have gotten second and third opinions and I have had what I call a lot of medicating of my symptoms but no root cause discovery just yet. And so for the next few months I've got, certainly got more tests and doctors visits and appointments and uncertainty in my future. And as a wife and a mother of three children, two of whom are very young, my meteor shower of what ifs can get quite out of control. In the last few months, my husband and I have been having very practical and necessary discussions and we've been putting things in place, just in case. And I can tell you that going from one day to the next as a perfectly healthy 38-year-old woman to being an extremely high risk of heart attack or stroke with no previous warning has sometimes felt overwhelming. And I can tell you that I've really been putting this scripture right here to the test but I can also tell you that the very peace of God has guarded my heart and my mind, and it has guarded my families. And I want that for you, and I can tell you, like I wanna try to be able to explain it to you. I wanna try to be able to tell you what that feels like, but I can't because it just simply doesn't make any rational sense. And for those of you that are going through your own storms right now, for those of you that are in the middle of your own meteor shower of what ifs, I want you to know I understand. You see, I'm not standing up here and I'm not talking at you, I'm not preaching to you. I'm standing up here and I'm saying, Me too. I'm right smack in the middle of it too. And I don't have it all figured out just yet. And I still have like I still let the meteor shower take over and I still feel overwhelmed sometimes and I still have my pity parties, but I don't stay there. And I want you to know I understand and I want you to feel this peace. I want you to have the very peace of God. And no matter what you're going through, no matter what you are facing, and although everything feels like it's spitting out of control and there's absolutely nothing that you can do about it, there is one thing that you do control, and that is your thoughts. We can choose to ruminate on the what ifs and the worry and the just in cases, and we can let that overtake us, or we can exchange that anxiety for the very peace of God. And if that's you, if you are tired of just trying to settle for less chaos, and you really want to feel the very peace of God, I want you to join me because we are going to pray and petition God with thanksgiving and present our requests to him and ask for a transfer of his peace. Join me. God, I... I just thank you so much, God. Like God, I come before you and I'm just overwhelmed at your blessings. God, I thank you for the blessings that you've poured out over everybody in this room in the video cafe and listening online. God, we thank you for those blessings. God, we don't deserve them, but yet still you give them to us. God, thank you for being such a great, great father. And God, thank you for Jesus. God, thank you for the cross. God, thank you, you made the ultimate sacrifice by giving us your son on a cross to die for us so that way we would be forgiven, so that way we could spend eternity with you. God, you loved us that much, and we say thank you, God. If that is all we ever got in this life, that is more than enough. God, thank you. But God, right now, I just wanna take a moment to lift up our anxieties. There are some people that are listening right now that are sick and tired of being sick and tired, and we're tired of just waiting for less chaos, God. We want the very peace of God. We want to feel peace. And so God, right now I am asking you for that. God, I'm asking you that right now, above all of your children who are lifting up this prayer, God, that you just begin to throw your peace over us like a blanket, God. Let's be able to feel your peace wash over us. And God, right now, I just want to lift up all of our minds. God, guard our minds, protect our minds, they can race so much with all of the worry and ruminate on the what ifs. God, stop us from doing that, God. And I pray that while we go out, as soon as the meteor shower of what ifs starts to take over, that you help us, that you help us grab those anxious thoughts and take them captive. And I'm asking you to do that by showing us something specific something that means something to every single person that is listening, that is individual to them. God, have them be scrolling through Facebook and see the scripture that they just prayed. God, let them see a cross charm on somebody's necklace that's standing across from them. God, let them drive by and see a church or a billboard or something, anything, a heart on a leaf. It doesn't matter, God, but something that means something to every person where they know that it is you and you want their anxiety and you want to exchange that for your peace. And God, right now, I just wanna pray a blessing over our tummies and our digestive systems. God, it's so practical, but it is so real. When we ruminate on the worry, God, our just digestive systems, they either wanna work too fast or not hold anything in. And God, I just pray for a calm over our systems, God, so that we can function and that we're not in pain and that we're not worried. Oh, and God, right now, I wanna pray for rest. God, I wanna pray for sleep. There are some people that are listening to this and they haven't slept and they wake up and they're tired, they're more tired than when they fell asleep, and God, right now, I wanna ask you specifically for the best night's sleep that they have ever had, a sleep that takes them so deep when they wake up they don't feel tired, but they feel refreshed and renewed, God, God, allow us sleep and allow us rest where our minds don't race, but we are completely safe and calm and at peace. And God, right now I specifically wanna pray for our hearts. God, I wanna pray for all the mama hearts that are listening and all the daddy hearts, all the aunts and uncles. I wanna pray for our daughter and our son hearts. God, I wanna pray for our friend hearts, our family hearts, our coworker hearts. God, we have all got so many things going on in our lives and we've got so many friends and family members where things are happening too and we just can't take it, God. It hurts our hearts because we're, there's nothing that we can do and we're standing on the sidelines and we just don't know, God. God, protect our hearts. Protect our hearts from being so hurt. God, I'm asking that this that this message, that the the exchanging of our anxieties for your peace is something that sticks to our brains like Velcro. God, replace those ruts with this. Right now, God, in a supernatural way, create the rut where any time that we start to feel anxiety, we just can't even ruminate on it. But God, we know, we know what the truth is. God, make this our Velcro. So that way when we leave here, when we go back to our families, our communities, our workplaces, people will look at us and say, what happened to them? What happened? They are changed. They are not the same person. And God, let us be able to say it is because I have the very peace of God that transcends all understanding with me. And I am at peace and you can be at peace too. And let us be able to share that peace with others. God, I pray for this, I petition for this, and I request this with thanksgiving in your mighty Son's name, the name of Jesus, and everybody in agreement said, Amen. amen.